Hey guys, welcome back to The Swarm. Welcome back to this week. We're glad you're still with us. Thanks for being with us. Thank all of you for all of your support. Uh, we've had a lot of great feedback over the past couple of episodes, and it's just great to know that people are tuning in. We dig it. We also have been getting a lot of fun news activity happening for our architecture firm, Cicada. We have. The LSU College of Art and Design recently just wrote an article about us. Um, so if you get a chance, go to their website and check it out. It's a very flattering little piece. Three of the four co-founders of Cicada are actually alumni. Myself, James Catalano, and Paulo Perkins are all alumni of LSU. Go Art Tigers. Design. Go Tigers. And, uh, and of course, Matt Dakotis, uh, our fourth co-founder, is from the Tulane University um, of Architecture. Yeah, so it's a cool article. Go check it out. Some other exciting news is that Seamus got asked to be on NPR, the local NPR station, WWNO, has a series called Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti, and basically they interview um, local entrepreneurs and people in business and up-and-coming people, kind of like what we do, but it's a little more formatted and a lot nicer. They actually have the interview at Commander's Palace, and Seamus got to go in and get interviewed. Yeah, it was super humbling experience. Um I had a lot to learn from Peter Raschuti. He runs a very tight ship, very uh, talented individual. Um, I was actually there interviewed with um, Mrs. Dana Aness, who is uh, the the advocate for the Urban Conservancy here in New Orleans, and she talked all about water and uh, how we can help local businesses. Where And then um, I got to speak uh, highly about Cicada and what we're doing here in the city and how we're kind of changing the landscape of how we practice architecture. How did it feel to be on the other end of the mic in this instance? Yeah, I was very, very nervous. You know, it's interesting. We, we interview people all the time and, uh, you know, we're always like, hey, it's okay. Like, you know, this is on record. We can edit it. And you don't really understand how nervous they really are until you're on the other side of the mic. And that was certainly true for myself. It took me probably after the first question or two to really settle in so so how can we hear you be nervous in front <laughs> of peter rusciuti so the um the the npr will actually air the episode on october 25th it'll actually air live one time and then twice more on the radio um throughout the day and then after that they archive it and they put it online posted to their podcast station called it's new orleans and uh, you'll be able to find myself along with Dana NS and then all of the other previous episodes. So it's actually a very good podcast and radio syndication. So cool. We'll, we'll definitely have to link that in our Instagram and uh, our Swarm profiles for y'all to go check it out. So the other great bit of news that, um, that we'd like to share is uh, Gene Lin, the founder of Colony Co-op, has teamed up with um, Design Milk, actually, to do a, uh, a roadside series, blogging series, where they stop into um, all of these burgeoning artistic cities, Detroit, uh, Nashville, Tennessee, um, Jackson, Wyoming, New Orleans, and they, they go ahead and highlight specific uh, artists, architects, designers, and talk about them. Yeah, so she came into the office, and we had a really cool chat about how New Orleans, um, being such a traditional city and having such historic context, um, how does a city like this harness or cater to companies like Cicada or podcasts like The Swarm, where we're trying to integrate these new modern and technological advances kind of into our everyday lives. 
and it was a really good conversation and she'll be posting that soon. Uh, we don't I yeah, don't know soon. yeah, we don't know exactly when, but um check them out on Instagram. Uh, their handle is Colony Design and then of course Design Milk I think is just Design Milk. But uh but you'll actually be able to see the article um, posted on Design Milk's blog. Uh, if you Google really just Colony Design and Design Milk blog, you'll be able to find it. Yeah, so we're super pumped about that. Yeah, it's going to be really great. And speaking of cool local businesses, we had the pleasure of interviewing our good friends, Construct. Yeah, so we uh, we had Patrick Fess and Jonathan Smith came on the show, and we were able to talk all things um, architecture, but really fabrication. Um, both Jonathan Smith and, and Patrick have architectural backgrounds. They they graduated, too, from LSU. They went to school with you, correct? They did. Yeah, we went to school together, and instead of them coming out doing architecture, they came out doing fabrication. Um, and they've gotten extremely successful through their business. Um, they're currently, you know, on the other side of things, and they're doing a lot of the, the build-outs for a lot of the hospitality projects here in New Orleans. Um, one of them being the, uh, the up-and-coming Warbucks restaurant, uh, designed by Faruqi Faruqi. I know they're very, very happy with that one. It's still under construction. That one's um, gonna be really cool. The restaurant looks really, really good. It's beautiful. It's a John Besh restaurant. Um, actually, the inspiration for the restaurant is supposedly an ode to the 90s hip-hop and skateboard culture. Uh, so think fried onion rings and I don't know. I don't know. So Construct does fabrication, and fabrication essentially is what, Seamus? Fabrication is ultimately taking either the architect or the designer's... Um, design intent and then bringing it to life. The ni- the nice thing about Construct is they're designers at heart. You know, Jonathan and Patrick, they're both they're both graduates of LSU architecture. And so I find that that really permeates through their company um, culture. And what they've been able to really do here in New Orleans is take a lot of burden off of the designer. And so they really advocate, you know, stepping in early in the process and allowing them to really team and collaborate with architects and interior designers and take on a lot of scope of work. So right now you're seeing them do a lot of woodwork and metalwork, whether that be like custom staircases in a restaurant to bar build-outs to furniture for restaurants and even, even lobby build-outs for hotels. Um, I think their biggest project to date right now, at least here in New Orleans, is the international airport that's currently going on. And we will talk a lot about that in this episode. Yeah, they do great work. Um, I really encourage everyone to go look at their Instagram feed and their website to see the kind of cool stuff that they build. It's very detail-oriented, and it's really high-quality stuff. And here's the interview. Here's the interview. Hi, everyone. I'm James. And I am Seamus. And you are listening to The The Swarm, Swarm, a podcast about architecture and design. We're two architects at the firm Cicada here in New Orleans. The Swarm is an outlet that brings the world of architecture to the people. Our goal is to educate our listeners about design and construction by interviewing locals who are making an impact on their community. All right, everybody. So we have... We have Jonathan Smith and Patrick Fess from Construct on the podcast today. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. So, guys, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Um, Yeah. So, tell us about Construct. How did these two guys come together and start building some awesome stuff? So, it all started when we met each other at LSU Architecture Program. We we were uh, part of the core group that the economy was not booming at the time. So, we kind of had to find our own way. And at that time, uh, Pat was roaming around the Northeast, and I was down here in New Orleans. Uh, He was down here one weekend, 
Uh, we met up on a back porch, literally had a couple beers, started talking about a business concept. And about three weeks later, we purchased a CNC router and we're kind of off and on our way as far as the digital fabrication. I love that. It's like Silicon Valley starts in a garage. So it was really just Pat coming back to New Orleans from a break from the Northeast. What kind of kick-started it was that Jonathan had been working on a couple of specific productions that uh, needed CNC work. And from there, we kind of one thing came after another. John, you, Patrick just mentioned that you were in the film industry. How does that translate from, hey, I'm doing... I'm doing film to getting back into architecture. Well, what were you doing for? This? Well, that's yeah. all right. So I was I was doing uh, locations. I was scouting okay. for for locations. Cool. So what was happening at the time was all the CNC work was still getting outsourced back to LA. So someone mentioned something about a CNC router. And then I literally said, I don't know what a CNC router is. (laughs) (laughs) Which, for everyone listening, is just basically like when you're cutting wood, imagine a drill with a drill bit, like a router, and it's on a a machined axis. So you can type, you can plug in something to the computer, like an intricate design, and it will cut it out of wood for you or multiple materials, obviously. It's very complicated, but that's the dumbed down version. So this this is what happened. So that was the night before I saw Pat. So these these cats were like, uh, you know, someone needs to be sourcing here for the New Orleans film industry, and that's the next night, literally, is when I introduced it to Pat. I was like, what are, what are they talking about? This CNC, whatever. He was like, yeah, I, I know exactly what it is. I was like, okay. And then like two days later, we were maybe in the process we have something of, here. Yeah, let's mm-hmm. try to start this. Uh, we always knew we never just wanted to to do digital fabrication. So. Okay. We wanted to move on to truly building something and getting our hands involved with a little bit more of our background. Right. So that was always the initial kind of setup that got us going. Mm-hmm. And then since then, we just kind of held on for the ride and let things evolve on, on so its own. So what were some of the first projects? You all bought the machine, decided to make this company. What how did you get the first job, and what was the first couple of things you were? We making? just had some contacts we, from yeah. the film industry that was, fit, and they were tired of outsourcing everything. What, in LA. what was that job though, Jonathan? You guys were doing signage and also like booth design, right? Like early on, was that correct? Or yeah, a little bit of that. Well, that's yeah. when it started to evolve. So they would ask us, "Hey, can you do this specific feature on this convention booth?" Yeah, we can do that. Well, can you start building some of this? And that's when we we're like, "All right, maybe we should start." up in our game a little bit and start truly building stuff rather than just using the CNC. So things just started kind of snowballing and then one thing led to another and that's how everything truly got truly got started got as started, far yeah. as going. You guys started before social media really was a thing. I remember when y'all you guys had started it was what what year was that? Oh 2008. 2011. That was kind of really before before the burgeoning. I don't even know if Instagram even existed at that point. I don't. Yeah, um, I Facebook so. was like, eh, it's for you know, college, whatever. And it wasn't really like big into business marketing. Right. So, I mean, how are you guys getting your name out outside of like doing? I mean, were y'all were y'all literally going around handing out postcards and whatnot? Yeah, world? basically. To be honest with you, postcards? we were literally going guerrilla style, door to door, so to speak, on this street. So literally, we were, literally walking down the street, yeah. handing out cards. We were hey, setting up we presentations do. with designers <laughs> and general contractors, um, pretty much anyone that would give us the time of day. Wow. Well, we I, were setting up, uh, you know, meetings with, or even just like walking into the office, which most companies don't really appreciate that. But we were yeah. Doing it anyway, um, but people that would give us the opportunity to give a presentation, you know, we had, you know. 
postcards and a uh, PowerPoint presentation that we would do. And, you know, most of the time it didn't really lead anywhere. But what we realized over time is that they started calling us and, hey, can you take a look at this project? I'm not quite sure if it's up your alley, but, you know, let us know what you think kind of thing. Well, so. I, I think the architecture community definitely knew about you because five years ago, I applied to work for you guys. <laughs> what? I actually didn't even know, I didn't know. this. Well, I didn't apply. I, I shot I didn't... one of y'all an email. Oh, my god! We've had this conversation before. Think... Okay. But I remember. It, it was in passing, but I was yeah. like, no, I thought you, what y'all were doing was so cool and so innovative and like really interesting that I was like, I need to be a part of that. It's inspiring. No, yeah, we appreciate that. One of the more difficult things, actually, to kind of... Um, I guess piggyback on what you're saying, James, is it was kind of a difficult thing to market at first. Um, from a digital fabrication standpoint, a lot of um, companies that we met with here in New Orleans at the time didn't truly know what the capabilities were right. of, of what we could do. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, with you, we didn't do the best job of presenting it. Our postcards first. were not the best. <laughs> <laughs> we... we quickly learned and kind of evolved but to be honest with you it was it was a struggle at first the first few years when we started this as far when i say this we kind of restructured i guess in a, a couple of years ago yeah we pivoted people weren't doing woodwork and metalwork okay so when we combined woodwork and metalwork that really gave us a jump start to a lot of the gcs that involved some of the designers where they used to have to deal with either woodworking shop or strictly metal shop so once we brought the two together, it really helped us truly get a, a, a good little jump start. Jonathan, can you elaborate on the project that kind of propelled you all into the direction that you're in now? And then also then, at what point did you realize that you needed to pivot, like Patrick's saying? Well, I don't think there's one project. Okay. So it was really a direct result of doing some of the CNC work and then other clients or clients asking us to do... Hey, more. can you do this? Can you do this? Yeah, do you mind like, well, since you're yeah, doing this? Can do you that. do this, this, and this? And then that's when we were like, well, maybe we should kind of restructure and go more towards the, okay. the building side of things. And at the time of the CNC, we were the only game in town. Okay. And that lasted for about six months. The projects that we had been involved with at the time when we were still a fairly young company was the, the disconnect between designer and builder, or in our case, the fabricator. Um, and so we really wanted to set out and try to, I guess, streamline the process for mm -hmm. lack of better words mm -hmm. and, you know, be involved on the design side of things to a certain degree. If the opportunity presented itself, work with the designer and client through the shop drawing phase, uh, in depth, and then from there have the opportunity to build the actual product and install. So the order of operations sometimes doesn't always include the fabricator first. So how do you get in front of the client to convince them? We have been most of the time to we figure don't. that out for years. <laughs> That's yeah, a difficult... Most of the time we don't. It is. Because you can uh, think of something interesting to make and say, like, I know this will be cool. I don't know exactly how to do it. Let me bring in Construct. It's like, how do you convince someone to use you at the end? If we're contracted out initially with the owner or have done a repeat client, we normally have a pretty good bit of design input. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's a new client, maybe a new general contractor, we might not have as much input, but that's when our frustration kind of comes in. It's like, man, if we could only do this, if we could only do that, it would save a lot of headaches in two, three weeks. Yeah. Can, you, can you tell us maybe uh, about um, a, a project that, 
or or things that y'all typically build? What do you typically do, and maybe what are some interesting things that you do? I wish we could tell you something we typically do, but we do all yeah. custom. It's 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 pretty much every project, which it does make it exciting. Every project is completely different for us. So we um, yeah, and I guess if you had to cite specific t- project types, it's you know, hotel public spaces, it's restaurant interiors. Um, but but w- what are you making? So, for example, I mean, <laughs> I mean, well, Jonathan kind of hit the nail <laughs> on the head. It's really like we'll be, you know, we're making a custom uh, bar front for a restaurant, you know, on one particular project or building out the entire bar itself. Um, and then on another project, we're doing a, you know, a custom console table that's shipping out to northern Arkansas. So it's, it's really kind of a wide range of projects. For the Contemporary Arts Center, um, we just did their monumental staircase. We also did some custom booth seating um, in the co-working space on two floors, um, custom reception desk. Things like that. I believe the name of the... It's called The Shop, I believe, right? It's called The Shop. It's called The Shop. I want to ask you guys, so the design background. So, for example, you did the CAC. Mm -hmm. You guys are not just fabricators. Y'all are also designers. You have a designer background. How does that come into play when an architect comes to you guys and is asking y'all to do shop drawings or whatever it may be. Do you be. just hate their work sometimes? It, hate, no, uh, well, it helps tremendously. What's, no, what's I the, mean, what's we, the We've actually, so, okay, so I, I think what kind of, what we do as far as like bridging the gap between fabricator and designer and based on our background is we help problem solve, as cheesy as it sounds. So in the detailing phases of how things are connected and how materials go together and things like that, we'll make recommendations um, you know, when the opportunity presents itself, you know, anytime someone comes and meets with us about a project, we typically ask, okay, well, how involved do you want us to be on the design side of things? Do you want us to just build the things that you already have in mind? Or, you know, do you want us to help you kind of flesh everything out, you know, from a detail and material standpoint? And do you charge for that? Do you charge for your design time? Or is it's it just like fabrication. I mean, it's we charge for design time. Yeah, I mean, just, yeah. it depends on who it's, we're it's contracted kinda, out with, right. too. Yeah, but. and it's tough to it's tough to chart like it's tough to kind of put a dollar amount to because I don't know we 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 love doing that side of it so much that I think we undervalue it to a certain degree, sure. and so well, we end up going deeper into it probably than we should. You're passionate about it, right? Exactly. I mean, when when anybody asks me, like, if I'm going to put somebody on a job, it's going to be you guys, solely because I know you're going to make my project better. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's not like I'm just handing it off to you and you're kind of, you know, doing exactly what I'm, I'm telling you to do. However, yeah. you're actually looking at it, you're saying, well, Seamus, I think you can actually potentially use a different material or a better fastener or this will wear better or this will save your client money. And the end result is not only are you making my design better, you're saving money for the client, but it's a better product. And I think that's where the value comes in from your design backgrounds into where you are now. Yeah, it's like digesting an idea and then Correct. spitting out. And I, I feel like some people don't, they don't see that connection between like, this is what I want and this is the end product. It's like you have to think about every single aspect of how that thing is made before it's made. I personally think that it should be almost a necessity because there's too much disconnect between the designer and the fabricators, and then 
kind of what you're saying, Seamus, you waste a lot of money at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If, if we could ever just get to the table and sit down with some of these people and in the initial phase, I think the project runs smoother. I think you get a better end product, but it's a hard thing to do. Yes, yeah, uh, this is my next question. I mean, is there a better is there a better process of this? Like, for example, I'm going to paint the picture for the audience. As an architect, let's let's take the kitchen, for example. Instead of me laying out the kitchen, um, is it better for me to hand it off to you guys and allow y'all to take it from there and do the shop drawings yourself and the design and whatnot? Like, what is what is the better process so we're not all drawing the same thing twice? That's That's been a huge... I don't know. I, I harp on this all the time. I think there's a ton of waste of money in the beginning phases of every project. If we could just all sit down, especially from a fabricator standpoint, we have a little bit of the design as well, and come up with the ideas instead of redrawing everything multiple times, then you come out, number one, with a better product, and then number two, you just save a bunch of money across the board. Mm-hmm. It's um, saving the owner money. Um, yeah. But, I mean, for better or for worse, I think there there can be ways that it could be better, especially talking to you guys, I really do believe that there are certain things that are better left um, up to a fabricator who is experienced in what they're doing and are special have specialties in that, you know? Yeah, and the way that we, uh, I guess, approach projects is, you know, from the, get, from the get-go, you know, we're not there to step on anybody's toes. We're, we're there just to offer input, you know, suggestions, and you can either take it or leave it kind of thing. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt our feelings at all. You know, we're just uh, excited about the opportunity to, to weigh in on the design side of things. So there's a really cool thing happening in New Orleans. They're actually building a brand new airport. It's going to be an international airport. They're going to completely abandon the old airport. So if you're flying out, say goodbye to the old and welcome the new. It's going to be really cool. And through the grapevine, I heard that you guys might have a little a little involvement in that. We've got a little bit of work <coughs> excuse me, involved with that. Um, we're doing a lot of the custom furniture pieces throughout the um, restaurant spaces. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. The communal yeah. spaces. <clears throat> and a lot of local restaurants, right? Yeah. There's a ton of local restaurants. So Dookie Chase, uh, Miss Leah has a, uh, a, a restaurant location there. Um, Mofa, Midway Pizza, just to name a few. Nice. Wow. And they've got some Emerald. incredible oh, finishes there's a, there's a and custom pieces that are going in over there, and it should be very nice. You guys, this is a big deal. Like, we're coming from signage back in the day to furniture, you know, that wasn't necessarily working. You're pivot pointing, and now we're doing furniture, custom furniture build-outs for the International Airport. Yeah, it's exciting. So how do you get that job? And then is everything the same, or is it all different? Like, give me, tell me the process. No, it's not all the same. Each space is actually vastly different, which is pretty interesting. Um, each furniture piece that we're making for this particular project is significantly different um, in its own way. Um, very interesting pieces. But the way that we got involved with the general contractor is it's a company that uh, we had reached out to before, did a company presentation with, and they had seen our work over the years, and they followed it back up with us asked us to price out this, these particular components involved with the project and kind of went from there. That's pretty awesome. So with these types of projects, how do you deal with the competition? Because I know there, there are a few fabricators here, but not as specialized as you. So w- what is your relationship with those other people in the industry just because you're, so, you're such a, a niche market? I mean, right now, to be honest with you, there's so much, so much work going on in the city that you know we are... You know, bidding against 
several competitors on each and every project that we uh, try and chase. But there's so much work going on that it seems like it's kind of spread out evenly, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done a good bit of research on the people that are kind of in the same line of work that we are. Um, and they all do beautiful work. And um, it's kind of a situation where it's not really, you know, we're fighting over the same job, so to right. speak. And you guys make it make it sound like you're understaffed. Y'all have a lot of people that you employ. Yeah, we've grown significantly over the years. Um, the big thing for us right now is managing all the out-of-town installs. Right. Um, Wait, so which, how many people? It started with two. Started with two. Started with two. We're up to 14 what? people. Nice. And yep. how many, and most, most of uh, your employees are, are hands-on, they're building? Yeah, so what we try to do... Um, with our entire staff actually is especially our project managers is we get them involved in the shop with you know others that are actually building um, the work that we're contracted out for so that they have hands-on experience and they actually have even more working knowledge of what's going on with the projects that we're involved with Um, and they really enjoy it typically really enjoy doing that side of it as well instead of just being stuck in the office and you know, doing shop drawings and managing projects. Right. Uh, well, we find that are they you guys actually, doing that? yeah, yeah. So we're all we all we all spend time in the shop we're, to a certain. We're pretty degree. hands on. Every everybody there, is, they have somewhat specific roles, but even the people that are in the office are also out in the shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. we find that also, like from a submittal standpoint. So, for example, with our shop drawings and our finished samples, that they're that much better because the people that are working on them are actually people that right. are in the shop. That's awesome. Building. Well, it, so. it shows in the work. Yeah, and that's great. It, it harps on the whole the disconnect that sometimes a designer has with the end product. Right. But right. if y'all are touching the design and building in the end, you get this perfect harmony of this really beautiful end product. Uh, our shop, the way that we try to run our company is a microcosm of what we wanted to do where we pivoted with the company, where there was that disconnect between designer and fabricator. We're trying to create that at the shop. So what happens in the office, um, those people are actually involved with what's being built in the shop too. Love it. Nice. I want to get into out-of-town work. So what we talked about a little bit about what you're doing in in, uh, in New Orleans, the, the larger highlights, yeah. the CAC as well as the uh, the new international airport, what's what's going on in town? Because I know you you guys don't just work here; you work out. You know, y'all do projects for clients outside of this area. Yeah, so we so we just fin- finished up uh, the Independence Visitor Center, a build out for them um, in downtown Philadelphia. Um, and and what uh, what was your scope of work on that? Patrick? So for that particular project, it was for the most part uh, all exhibits uh, okay. that we created um when we were finished and we shipped it up there um we worked with a designer um who's out of new jersey hand in hand with them um back and forth and just kind of over the course of what four or five months executed the build on it and then we shipped everything out there when you ship it are you nervous that like oh my gosh this yes. is my uh, baby sh- is shipping break? shipping like, is a yes. uh, creating and shipping <laughs> is a profession in itself yeah i sure. mean it's 
Just even billing for that because that's a that's a lot of money. Oh yeah, we yeah, yeah. we still under <laughs> we, yeah. we, price we all of our <laughs> creating and shipping. So. The Philadelphia work that, job that yeah. you just talked about. How does that even start? Like, how do you how do you, somebody reach out to you from Philadelphia to get you that job? So that's an interesting kind of uh, pathway to that. They're not product, getting your actually. postcard, Patrick. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> our hopefully much, our not. much better postcard these days. <laughs> Um, I kind of hope we get a postcard. Soon. <laughs> I know we never got one. I think we have some of the old. We, ones we that have were some. We'll, um, we'll send you guys. <laughs> so that actually stemmed from um, uh, some bidding that we did on the Sazerac Museum that's okay. going in downtown uh, New Orleans, right off Canal Street, uh, near the river. And um, that same company, we just kind of stayed in touch with them. We followed up with them. We're like, hey, if y'all have any other projects you know that we could be involved with we'd love to take a shot at them and sure enough they reached back out to us about a month and yeah. that's i think that's a great thing to speak on, to harp on for new orleans it's that new orleans has now this such amazing high quality creative community that they are instead of outsourcing to the people in la they're now outsourcing to people in new orleans yeah, and that's definitely. you guys that's a great point so i think that's the dream come true right i mean you yeah. you, you filled you filled that role we talked about pivot points earlier. I'd like to talk about pivot points potentially in the future. Where do you guys see Construct in five years? Where is the future of Construct going? I mean, to be honest with you, I think just continuing to grow um, with the current staff that we have, continuing to grow, hire more people. Uh, we love the type of work that we do. Uh, it's mostly commercial. We do some residential, which is uh, you know nice from time to time. Um, the commercial work that we do, though, the hotels, uh, the retail spaces, museums, things like that, um, has been really interesting to work on. So I would say we continue doing work, you know, not only within New Orleans, but um, I really enjoy seeing our work in other places as well. As much of a pain pain in the ass it is to <laughs> to create and ship things sometimes. Uh, I, I don't know. To be honest with you, um, to to kind of keep going, we want to continue growing. We're we're yeah. not satisfied with the size that we're at right now. Um, we want to just keep keep blossoming into a full on just custom fabrication company that can handle whatever. Love it. So, you guys here in New Orleans, if you had the ability to build or do anything you want in the city <laughs> at any scale, no budget, physics <laughs> might not even matter. What would you do? I'm down in the Caribbean building a bed and breakfast. Oh, there it is. There it is. That's the dream. There, There is an underlying thing here. You're a big traveler, right? Like you love, that's your thing, right? Somewhat, yeah. Okay. I don't get to do it as much as used to, but uh, yeah, definitely uh, sun, waves, and awesome. start building, start with something small. It's not New Orleans, but I'm going to go on one of those trips and never come back. That's what I'm fearful <laughs> Patrick's of. Patrick's fearful of that. So. Patrick, you got a lemonade cash. What are you doing, man? Honestly, I guess I, I really, I really like the museum work. Actually, similar to the World War II museum, so history. I, I really like to do like a historically based museum. Patrick, I actually thought you were going to say uh, the New Orleans Saints museum potentially because I hear <laughs> you're a really big Drew Brees fan. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, from who's New Orleans? Drew Brees? It was, it was a tough day at work <laughs> on this past Tuesday after I got to witness Drew Brees break the all-time passing yards record. Yeah, so for those of you who are not big football fans or are, um, Drew Brees literally just broke the all-time passing record. And Patrick, yeah, you, were the, you were at the you were at the the game. Yeah, the, the dome was electric. It felt like 2009. It was yeah. an incredible experience. Yeah. That's awesome. And Pat looks like Drew Brees. 
<laughs> he does. <laughs> Did you guys? Come on. Wow. The last time I was in the dome, I told people it was Drew Brees' brother, and they actually believe me. <laughs> can you true throw? That's true. No, true story. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I, I probably kick a ball, a but I can't. I can't throw, oh, throw. a football. Yeah. <clears throat> Love it. So, well, you guys. Um, Thank y'all for coming. That's that's all we Thanks have. Thanks for having us. That's all we have yeah. on our end, unless y'all have questions for us. Yeah, actually. I mean, I, I'm actually – so I'm interested. Um, I know that y'all have, over the course of the, I guess, the several episodes that y'all have recorded now, y'all have kind of described uh, why y'all are doing, you know, architecture, why y'all are doing what y'all are doing. Um, but from, like, a design-build standpoint, where do y'all kind of see the city going? James? No, I think there's definitely a really good – progression and actually we were talking with someone um who's from out of state and they were chatting about how new orleans uh how do you survive in this kind of climate there's a lot of work but it's like how do you start a new company what do you do and i think a lot of that comes down to collaboration we as uh as designers always want to design something and then you get kind of this addiction to making something which is really cool so ideally you have enough time and money to do both where you can take your time and design it take your time and build it but I think the success comes with collaborating with other people who, like you guys, who are doing something um, very interesting and uh, doing it very well, where we can collaborate together and build something. That's me personally. I think it'd yeah. be great if we could make, we, if, if we're no longer just designing buildings for people who have the money, which we enjoy, but we are designing the buildings or the spaces or the pieces of furniture for ourselves. And then yeah. we get to build it. Patrick, I think it's a great question. My my ultimate thought on this, um, and I feel like it's a bit utopian, but I think it's also not out of reach based on being in New Orleans and even other smaller artistic communities such as the Austins and the Nashvilles of the world. Yeah. But um, I think it's not even just design-build in the, the strict sense of architect-contractor, but I think it's more, it's a greater team-based thing. Mm. I think it's the the fabricators of the world meeting with the the architects meeting with the general contractors and the subcontractors if you can make this power team that all has that all has the ultimate vision of um you know the the space in mind Mm -hmm. that they're trying to provide whether it's a a museum that we're just talking about or a beautiful restaurant or whatever it may be um i think if everybody's on the same page and you're selecting your team um you're creating a better product yeah. Uh, I think it's slowly getting there. It depends on the owner. Um, it's very rare. Yeah. I think a lot of owners are scared. Also, a lot of owners are budget conscious, so they revert back to a design uh, bid build. You know, so they're they're looking over their wallet, and I can't I can't um, um, fault them for that because I would do the same thing for like even my own home. Mm-hmm. But uh, as a designer, I. I do see the exorbitant benefits of collaboration. Right. And with the advent of social media, James and I have talked about this before, but it's becoming easier and easier to literally direct message a fellow artisan, designer, fabricator, yep. and be like, hey, man, I love your work. Let's work together. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's throw the ego out the door yeah. and just make something cool. That's, I'm, yeah, James, I'm glad you said that because that's, that's what we harp on all the time. Like, let's leave the egos at the door. Yep. We're just here to solve, you know, trying to solve problems, but we're just trying to do a good job, basically, is right. what it boils down right. to. And to me, it makes more sense to have a collaborative approach like y'all are describing. We, we all want to make a dollar, but at the same time, we all, we all want to make a great project for the owner. You know, like, we're all living in this community, 
And we all we, love New Orleans. Yeah. We want to stay here, and yeah. New Orleans yeah. has its issues, clearly, and it's like, let's get through the swamp and like build something amazing. The, the best projects, in my opinion, are very thought-provoking, um, extremely well uh, collaborate, collaborative, and those show, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that you're kind of fist-fighting and it's about the money, you can tell, you know? So I'm happy to say I really do believe, based on your question, Patrick, and my utopian kind of ideology, I think it's kind of in the middle of that, and I think it's getting better and better and better. I agree. I completely agree. And thanks, you guys, for coming on chatting with us. I I know we've collaborated already, but hopefully we can collaborate on something that's quite grander. For sure. John, did did you have anything, man? Is that it? I think that's it. For, that's it. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. <laughs> well, you guys were awesome. Yeah. Tell us um, where can everybody find you guys. So, uh, y'all have come a long way from postcards. How do we <laughs> find y'all? <laughs> we could so. still get some of the old postcards. Yeah. Out. So <laughs> we are at uh, constructnola.com. You can find some of our work. Uh, you probably want to go to our Instagram. Yep. Um, to find our latest happenings. And what's your handle there? But uh, it's Instagram.com/slash/constructnola. So we're uh, we're on Chapatulas near Nola Brewery. We just moved there a couple years ago, and we've loved every minute of it. So just give us a shout and come on by. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you all. Appreciate Thank you, it, guys. And folks, that's going to do it for this week's episode. I am Seamus, and I'm James. And we would like to thank our sponsors, Brew Coray and PJ's Coffee. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Swarm and drop us a review on iTunes. Stay tuned for our next episode.